welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Why has interest in the paranormal become so widespread in recent decades? Do people really understand what the paranormal is and what its implications are? Will the much vaunted year 2012 come and go like a lamb or like a lion? Ha. Good anecdote. Anyway, uh, well, hello there, and welcome to the 297th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and asking those questions was my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So, it's Mondays with Murray tonight, as we welcome back one of our most popular guests. But, first, we must uh, cover our weekly paranormal contest. So, last week's question was, a few months ago, what Swedish explorer claims to be, uh, claims to say that he has founded or he has found a crashed UFO at the bottom of the ocean between Finland and Sweden. Uh, Mary McGuire of Boston. Do you think she's Irish, Ben? A professed Murray Silver fan, she says, got the correct answer to that one. And the answer was the Swedish treasure hunter Peter Lindbergh. And he supposedly found uh, what looked like the outline of what he thinks is a UFO in the Gulf of Bothnia in August 2011, not very long ago. Wow, that sounds just like the thing. Oh, the thing from another world, actually. Okay. Uh, this week's question is, what was the Pepper transcript? So get that right, and when a copy of Behind the Moss Curtain and Other Great Savannah Tales by tonight's guest. Story. So, story, sorry. Tales story. Our guest today is one of our dearest friends and one of your favorites. Murray Silver is a fifth-generation son of Savannah, Georgia. He is not only a Washington insider and a Hollywood insider, he is one of America's most respected paranormal researchers. A host of the PBS television series Haunted South, Murray is the acclaimed author of the book Great Balls of Fire, the uncensored story of Jerry Lee Lewis, which was made into the movie of that name starring Dennis Quaid and Winona Ryder. He is the author of a number of other books, including his memoirs, When Elvis Meets the Dalai Lama, and Behind the Moss Curtain, which Ben just mentioned. It's a collection of true paranormal stories about Savannah, his home base. Murray worked in the late 1960s as a promoter for rock bands like Fleetwood Mac, Grateful Dead, the Allman Brothers, and others. While going to law school, he transitioned from proprietor, I should say proprietor, promoter to journalist in the 1970s and 80s, touring with acts uh, such as Pink Floyd, Paul McCartney, Bob Dylan, Elton John, and Peter Gabriel. On top of all that, Murray is also a publisher and a television producer with his own media company. He became a paranormal researcher and historian of great insight and depth. His website is www.bonaventurebooks.com. That's Bonaventure with two Ts. So, Murray Silver, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Ben! Brother Paul, how are you? Oh, it's good to hear your voice again, Murray. Ah, yes. It's always too long between our broadcasts. And I just wanted to say, we do welcome callers today. A lot of people don't realize that we take callers because we get so involved in our conversations that we forget to give the number. And the number locally here, uh, 401-766-1240, and anywhere in the United States, 800-449-1240. So before my dad steps on my lines again, Murray, things in the world seem to be getting weirder and weirder. Is there a paranormal component there somewhere? Well, um, yeah, but, you know, the interesting thing is, is the mainstream guys are uh, now chiming in on the subject, Ben. I was interested to see that my old friend Stephen Hawking made a rather interesting announcement uh, about a week ago in which he said that human survival depends on space travel 
and that in order to avoid certain disaster in the next 100 years on this planet, that uh, it will be necessary for space colonization or else. And I thought this was truly remarkable, especially in light of the other findings that um, a group of scientists have now proved that maybe Einstein's 1905 special theory of relativity is incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, Einstein, as you know, is the guy who first came up with the idea that nothing is meant to be able to go faster than the speed of light, and yet researchers uh, said back in September that they have been able to uh, do just that. So what this means to me is that if Einstein is wrong about the speed of light, then the world of physics is turned upside down. And what that means to the paranormal world is this, that, and I think that your father might, uh, might agree with me, um, there's a shift going on not only on this planet but in the universe that is affecting our, our concept of time and space. It is the reason why I think that many more people are accessing other dimensions. I think it's the reason why many more people are having uh, ESP-related uh, incidents. But I think all of this is connected. And when, when science starts weighing in on things like this and that, that time is actually speeding up with the perception of it, then that directly plays into your ability to see what has been up until this point referred to as the paranormal. My contention has always been that in order to see ghosts, for example, um, you have to do one of two things. You have to either speed up or slow down. And by that I mean to speed up, you have to be able to take photographs at faster and faster speed. Now, anybody who's got an old 35-millimeter camera where you can adjust the, the shutter speed knows what I'm talking about. The faster you can click that shutter you're able to see more, if you will. In other words, you're able to freeze motion. And this is, this is extremely important in the paranormal world because my contention has always been that what is right in front of you, you can't see because it's moving at a higher rate of speed than your eye can process. And I think all of this speaks to what, what's, what Hawking and his pals are now talking about, that what we really have is a very limited understanding of what we refer to as time. But then you leap ahead, Ben, to the, the to the larger point that time is simply a construct, and then the whole thing begins to break down. But what it will enable me and your father and you and people like us to do is better explain why what we are experiencing is not science fiction and no longer will be referred to as paranormal, but simply part of the normal. I, I hmm. couldn't agree more. You're absolutely correct. That yeah, makes sense. Our friend Dierlon, who was the novelist who wrote the uh, book on, uh, well, one of the books on 2012, The uh, Heaven's Wave, uh, Occasional Guest, he has pointed out that astronomers will tell you, uh, when prodded, some of them, that tremendous electromagnetic energy has been pulsing back and forth in the galactic neighborhood because of this, well, pr- presumably because of the flattening out of the uh, different systems and of the galaxies and in, in the entire neighborhood, which has not happened, I believe, for the last 660 million years, the time of the last, uh, the, the last really great mass extinction, as he explains it. And he says that these, uh, this is affecting time and our perception of it. Einstein's basic idea may be correct, though, Murray, uh, maybe you could express your uh, opinion on that, because he said that time essentially, in so many words, wasn't a function of our consciousness. 
and that we, as a species or as a biosphere, he didn't go that far, but the implication is that we assemble time and our consciousness and our conscious uh, and whatever stimulates our consciousness and our experience of reality as we best as our subconscious best sees fit do you see what I'm getting at I do and 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 what spirit has shown me Paul is that time uh, has always been thought to be a segmented tube that extends into the future uh, the true nature of time is not subject to such constructs as seconds and minutes and hours these are only superficial constructs that reflect uh, what we have as a, a lower view of time, if you will, just as we have been trapped in a lower view of space. And, and I tell people that in order to see spirit or to defeat time and space, you have to do that by relaxing your view of it um, and, and these superficial partitions that divide time uh, and then the whole tube model collapses. You find out that ordinary linear time is not linear. There is no past, no future, only an ever-moving now. So if everything exists in present time, existence depends on present time. Objects are here now only to pass out of reach. Things that are desired are not yet. So we have become so conditioned by this trend that life consists of filling up little slots in a past, present, future grid, and we are literally timing ourselves away. This is a shockingly limited approach to life. It consigns us to a predictable pattern that ends up only one way, and that is death. However, what my research seeks to prove is that death is a totally opaque partition, and yet, even though we cannot see beyond it, nor can we see it clearly enough to discover other options or ways around it, death is the ultimate lesson presented by time and exposes the bankruptcy of this view. So time charts, recharted, and it channels us, and that ultimately is what the paranormal seeks to disprove, is that that, that time is, is simply a construct and you can learn to work around it. So why do we perpetuate this idea of, well, this is hypothetical, because I already know the answer to this. Well, why do everything from happening at once. Um, uh, we, we had to agree that in order, in order to, to simply do business, to understand, to come to, to, to come to basic understanding, we had to find a way to time things out. But, but in doing so, we had to mince it down to seconds, for God's sake, because we then discovered that we, we, we can't handle too much time. We can't handle it. We have to cut up in tiny little pieces. And you, if you think about that pumpkin pie your mother made for Thanksgiving, <laughs> um, you can feed more people if you cut it into smaller slices. But the point is that you've only got the one pie, and, and eventually um, you're going to run out of slices. But the thing with time is, it's not like a pie. We have discovered, and that's what Hawking and these fellows have, have just discovered with these recent experiments about the speed of light. They discovered that there is more time where they thought there was none, and there's more space when they thought there was any. In other words, where you can continue to find more time between a second, between one second and another. You can continue to mince it and mince it and mince it and mince it and mince it, and, mince it and, you can, and it continues forever. In other, in other words, then the space between those two seconds stretches out into infinity. So this is the point that I'm trying to make to you, that time, our concepts of time and space are radically being challenged now, and guys like Hawking are saying, you know what, um, the view that we've had for a long time 
has worked only because we ag- we would agree this was going to work. But <laughs> right, what it's yeah. showing you is that it's simply an understanding on a very basic level and the larger sphere we still haven't tapped into. So what do you think is going to change soon? Well, i tell you what's going to change. As we go through this shift that you and your dad and I have been talking about now for two years, mm-hmm. people are going to see, they're going to see more and more of what we've been talking about. Um, they're going to see these physical changes to the universe. More and more people are going to be encountering the paranormal. And, and as this becomes pro forma, then you and your dad and I won't have to sit around and explain to people on the radio because more and more people will be accessing this truth. And it's going to be left to guys like Hawking to finally catch up and give you, say, the mathematical proof of it all, and they're going to do their hocus-pocus. But what is remarkable is that your dad, Ben, has been saying for years that Einstein, that, you know, that the most stuff that that guy came up with was re- really sharp for his time, but that was 100 years ago. And i got news for you. We've moved on from that point, and then moving on, we found out that his, his understanding was very sharp for his day and time, but we've moved on. And now you've got scientists saying, well, you know, as good as he was, he wasn't the absolute end-all and be-all. So I'm thrilled because uh, it's going to make it easier for people like me to find help among scientists who say, well, everything is open now for discussion because all of the absolutes that we thought were golden are not. If you disprove, if you disprove the theory of relativity, the whole scene falls apart. It all flies apart. Yep. Mm-hmm. It all flies apart. They're going to, I mean, seriously, uh, every every program in the country right now that teaches physics, they're going to have to look at the book and say, well, um, is this crap true anymore? I'll tell you something else that'll, that'll thrill you. My wife's father is one of the great mathematical minds of, of his generation. He's down in his 80s. But this guy holds several doctorates and he went to Caltech. And uh, he was a dear friend of Ralph Feynman. Uh, Feynman was, was one of the great physicists of his time. Mm-hmm. And like Hawking and these guys, and Einstein, he was thought to be you know, indisputable. And, and what's interesting is that his archivist has been going through Feynman's old textbooks and finding mistakes in his work <laughs> in which he comes up with the so-called right answer, but if you go through the steps, it breaks down. It breaks down, gentlemen. It breaks down. This is fascinating to me because that's what you're seeing happening in the science now because of the changes Mm -hmm. that are happening on this planet. Science is being forced to explain it, and they can't get away with with the old laws and the old rules, and so you're actually watching in your lifetime everything that we thought we know, as your dad has always said, it's all breaking down right in front of your very eyes. Everything you know is wrong, those five magic words. There you are. Everything you know is wrong. Yeah. Murray, we, and I think you probably know why we're we're going to ask this, because I know Ben is interested in the answer, too. You are a great and astute gatherer of information. Have you been hearing what we've been hearing, that people all over the world are having the same or similar dreams? Not everybody, but a lar- large numbers of people, more than the statistical um, probability would allow for. Paul, um, to tell you the truth, yes. The short answer is yes. And where I first started hearing about it, it goes back to my old days in the rock and roll world, where um, there was always a lot of uh, questions about who wrote what song, 
and who should be credited and so forth and so on. And, and when we find out that what a lot of musicians have told me, I think I told the, the McCartney anecdote once, um, Paul, Paul McCartney, when I was on tour with him as a photographer, he explained to me that one day, well, many times, he, he wakes up humming a tune, and he doesn't know where the hell it comes from. Mm-hmm. And, and he honestly believes, as, as other musicians like Sting and many others I've interviewed, they believe that music somehow is in the ether somewhere, and the musician, it's his job to reach up there and pull it down, meaning that there's many musicians who are accessing the same cosmic database of sound, if you will. Now, what's interesting to me, and I recently had this very same thing happen in Savannah, Georgia. I met two women who are married and mothers and live very, very normal lives. These are New Jersey housewives who were down in here down here in Savannah on vacation. And they had a series of experiences uh, at the end of which what happened was they started having the very same dreams uh, on the very same night. And they, as they explored these dreams and what it meant, it turns out that they had a shared past life together that is now breaking through in the dream state. And it only happened once. They came back to Savannah, a town they'd never been in in this lifetime, but had been in 100 years ago. And when they touched ground here and discovered the graves of the people they used to be, that past life started kicking in in identical dreams. That but These women are not related. They they only became friends after they discovered they had these common bonds. Oh, yeah, I remember and now this sort this, of thing, yeah. Paul, is happening to a number of other people that they're getting what they think are messages but to me, um, I, you know, depending on the case, it may be it may be something that a lot of people are picking up on, but it may be something that's shared among people who've got a connection, maybe a past life connection. But um, yes, to answer your question, there are an awful lot of people who are first experiencing what we're talking about in the dream state because they have not developed themselves through um, religious or spiritual practice or meditation or any of the avenues that have normally produced these these responses in people. So a lot of people are getting it first in the dream state because, you know, the mind is at rest. Um, these, these messages are able to come through. Uh, otherwise, people would not take note of them because their, their day is bombarded with impulse, so they don't, they don't take heed of these, these, these fleeting thoughts of fancy. But they're coming through in a very real way in the dream state, and yet people are having these dreams are where this isn't a normal dream. This isn't a typical dream. So what is it that you guys have heard or experienced? Well, as we talk gingerly about our own impressions of the next few years or whatever that we get in our contacts uh, that we make through our paranormal work, Contacts that I've been very, very reluctant to talk about for decades because I didn't want to come across just uh, what I was uh, criticizing, which were, of course, many of the mediums and psychics who uh, I don't think quite get the interpretation right or or, are fakes or whatever. And um, we've begun to talk about it simply because time seems to be catching up with us. And uh, and through meditation, through dreams, through prayer, even through simply being silent and cultivating what we refer to as the multiverse awareness. We simply are more aware on a day-to-day basis of our neighbors in, I suppose, what you might call parallel dimensions, crazy as it sounds. So what we 
I'll give you an example. Uh, th- there is someone who has reported, a number of people have reported the same dreams of the same uh, species who are neighbors, who are just as worried as we are. They don't necessarily have answers. I mean, this isn't downloading messages from cosmic masters or anything like this or spirit guides. These are neighbors of ours, for lack of a better term, who are just as concerned as we are about what is happening in the dimensional neighborhood. Um, one of the, because you know, the the, uh, the villains in our world are the what we call these parasites who feed upon people's negative emotions and grow stronger sometimes and right. become poltergeists and all this other business. Right. And th- this sort of thing has uh, apparently been appearing in the dreams and the consciousness of growing numbers of people. We have literally thousands of emails from people, all of whom cannot be crazy. Yeah, maybe we're crazy. I don't know, but uh, the, the I was amazed. I mean, I, when we say when we say this stuff on the air, I expect uh, derision and criticism, and th- that is very rare, almost non-existent. Almost to a person, people will write that they uh, are professional people. You know, their medical profession, say for example, or uh, bankers or real estate people who are you know normal everyday people who are starting to have. Dreams and and at, at least the fear and the suspicion that something weird is going on, and that there are other people involved. So someone sent me a photograph. Matter of fact, if people look on my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, uh, a fellow I uh, am acquainted with named uh, Jerry Warner has put a picture that he sent to me earlier. And when I saw this photograph, it's very unusual. It's not not your ordinary uh, ghost photograph. It's it's a a, a magnificent lion-like creature that sort of can be seen walking in the frames of this photo and appearing in one photo to be very, uh, very much present. And I saw this and I almost fell out of my chest. And I know that I know this species. I have encountered this species. Uh, they are very good people, although they don't look like people. They look more, I don't know, I suppose more mammalian than I don't. Whatever you want to say, but check out the, the Paul Eno Facebook page, and you can. You can find out about that. But this is the sort of thing I'm getting at. It seems as though there was a a change in consciousness. The paradigm you describe, as perhaps outlined in modern physics, uh, is absolutely, we just absolutely agree with that. But the result of that paradigm seems to be an increased awareness on the part of people who wouldn't usually talk about this sort of thing and who are experiencing things that they, five years ago, including me, would have considered crazy. I mean, that, that's the sort of thing I'm... So I'm, we're on the same page here, Mar. I'm just wondering if you had, uh, if anyone has sent you photos of noble creatures from other <laughs> other dimensions. Well, will, or? There's a couple things you touched on that I wanted to comment on. First of all, um, it was a, a, a seminar you and I attended in Florida several years ago. The first time we worked together, when I you were the first person that I heard that had the guts enough to talk about parasite. Um, what I wanted to add to that is this. What I have noticed in Savannah and doing the research in many of the, the haunted places that I, that I deal with, what is fascinating to me is that every bar in Savannah, Georgia, and, and I think that probably every bar everywhere is, is haunted to some degree. I don't care how old the bar is or where it's located, but what I've discovered in Savannah is that every bar is haunted, and I thought there's got to be a connection between what's going on here and what goes on here. And what Spirit showed me was this, that oftentimes what passes for a haunted experience is parasite, and that these parasites 
are they are they feed off of human suffering. They feed off of misery. And where do you find some of the most miserable people on the planet? At a bar. Yeah. People mm-hmm. who are addicted to alcohol, people who are I'm, I'm talking about serious it's not just people who got for a drink. But people who are, who are in bars, these people are suffering as they drink this stuff. And the suffering that they create, these parasites actually feed off of. And what's interesting to me is that bars are never haunted in a fun way. They're usually, to some degree, the disturbance is violent. This, as you pointed out, long before anybody else considered it, you pointed out that, that this is not ghost, this is parasite. So that's one thing that my research has been able to support yours in that these studies I've done on bars are it's truly it's truly remarkable that that we're not talking about ghosts in many cases but we're talking about parasites. Now I want to get into um, your research after the break. Uh, we are going to take a brief commercial break here. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 AM and ONWorldwide.com in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We will be right back with our marvelous guest and our good friend Murray Silver. Stay with us. Hi, this is Don Brunell inviting you to join me for ON Midday, weekdays from noon to 2, right here on ON 1240 Radio. We've got Gold Cuts guests in our daily super quiz. The Midday Show, right here on ON, local radio at its best. And we wanted to remind you that Amazon Kindle Fire, the new product from Amazon Kindle, of course, is, uh, has been released and is available for, for purchase for Christmas gift giving, uh, holiday gift giving, and we uh, encourage you to check out these uh, wonderful devices at Staples uh, and, and also online at Amazon.com. You can get upwards of a million or probably more at this point newspapers, books, movies, apps, and all sorts of different things that you that you can use all in your the palm of your hand with Amazon Kindle Fire, one ninety nine, and the ordinary Kindle to it, which you can read books, certainly, uh, and uh, magazines, newspapers, up to uh, not over 900,000 of them at this point, is available on the ordinary Amazon Kindle, which is only $79, and probably less at uh, some of the um, participating staples that uh, sell these. So we would encourage you to do that. You can certainly get four of my books on Amazon Kindle. Uh, the uh, Rhode Island a Genial History, which is a, not in the paranormal realm, uh, Faces at the Window, Footsteps in the Attic, and of course, Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny. And, I, and our guests are usually authors. So, Murray, are your books on uh, Amazon Kindle? I am not a Kindle dude, Paul. I, okay. I am resisting. I am resisting this technological advance. I'm I'm 58 years old. I'm an old school guy. I love the feel of a book. Um, I I I think that reading is a to me it's still a sort of a, a joy, a private pleasure that is best when you've got a book in your hands. And I, I can't, I, I, I spent so much time staring at a computer screen related to my other businesses that the last thing I want to do is then sit down with a good book that I have to read on a screen. Yeah. Actually, I, I, I tend to agree with you. They speak two publishers of the same age. However, probably... they are our sponsors, so I have to, we yeah, better not say is... anything else. We'll get in trouble. Yeah, that's kind of no, what you should probably I, use some... I, I can't. I can't prevent time marching on. You know, there are children on this planet right now who have never held a book in their hand oh, and probably that's a terrible never will. Thought. They're learning everything off a screen. Nor have they uh, heard a, a Mozart aria or anything. 
or a Wordsworth poem. Anyway, uh, lamenting the fate of civilization, uh, Ben had uh, some questions, which I suppose continue that theme. Yeah, so I, I wanted to push this into... Uh, no, not an entirely different area, but I recently had the misfortune of watching the movie Paranormal Activity, and then I had to watch it again. So I've watched it twice, and the first time I watched it, I thought, well, maybe this is sort of like a warning to people who want to go and mess around with stuff, and they think they're doing the right thing, but they're not. But I don't know. Do you think it helps or hinders... Um, the fascination with the paranormal and showing how dangerous it is, or does it encourage people to just want to go out and find stuff that's a cheap thrill? Well, the thing that concerns me so much, to be honest, is the, is the, the, the pornographic um, approach to paranormal in a lot of these movies. Um, the stuff that you see in these movies, not the kind of stuff that I've seen in, in my own research, not that I haven't seen some truly scary stuff, but not this kind of stuff, which is obviously set up for that shock thing. Um, it stuns me that in, on, on, on this planet, in this day and time, that, that the vampire culture is a billion-dollar industry. And it is stunning to me how many teenagers think that the notion of a vampire as being the most romantic thing. It's like the Romeo and Juliet of this generation are vampires. <laughs> so, so the thing that concerns me is that what what movies have done is that they've it's, it's the a purient interest in the paranormal, which is the same thing as if, if you said to me, "Well, do you think sex education is best uh, taught to kids at school by viewing pornographic film?" My answer is no. But that is the equation I will make to you because I am a, I am as offended by a lot of this stuff as I am if this was an assault on my religion. So these are the things that concern me because I, I find, you know, in my my normal day as I go out and about and I meet tourists in Savannah and they'll tell me that they came here looking for ghosts, I'll tell them, look, get another hobby. This, this, is, this is not the sort of thing that you play with. And, and these, the idea that you can go on a tour for $5 and go see ghosts, this is this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you shouldn't do it. Even if you can, you shouldn't do it. And so I've never thought of this as a, as a hobby. And, and so I don't like the approach of most movies. I have not seen the movie you mentioned. And I also want to tell you parenthetically that since I talked to you guys last, I got rid of my television set. Good we no you. longer have Excellent. it in this house just to cut down on the noise because... If you watch the television more than 20 minutes, it's crazy-making stuff. And what's coming across most channels these days is actually dangerous for you to to uh, to take in. And I noticed, too, that, yeah, I don't know about you, but I was a channel clicker. And I, I would sit there with a clicker in my hand and go through channel after channel after channel after channel until I found something I wanted to watch for five minutes. But in the meantime, as you're doing that, there's a lot of stuff that you're hearing and seeing that you don't want to hear and see, that you don't need to hear and see, but yet you take it in anyhow. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like it's like uh, a Ouija board in that it's an open call to the universe, and all this crap comes through, and it sticks with you. So I got rid of the TV to cut down on the noise. Good for you. And I yeah, don't go to the movies because that's all crazy-making stuff. Did you hear about this? that movie that you just mentioned to me, Ben? There are people now having fits and spasms in some key scene. I, I mean, this to me is unbelievable. Have you read that? Have you yeah. heard about the audience? 
Yeah, people in the audience are now saying that there's some scene of some sort of a dissolution or something that people watching this movie are having fits and spasms oh, in the movie theater. Dear. Now, whether or not that's some sort that. of promotion, but listen, gentlemen, I, I certainly don't have time for that, but because, uh, look, the, the truth of it to me is far more uh, remarkable. I won't use the word entertaining because I'm not entertained by this. I'm fascinated by it. But that's the difference I want to make to you, Ben. Mm. This I don't do for entertainment. I do it because I'm fascinated by it. That's Excellent. the difference. That's too well. Yep. That, that's that's the right reason. That's the right reason for doing this. So moving into, now, I will tell you something interesting, though, fellas. You know, I have a publishing company. You mentioned it. I'm getting a lot of I'm getting a lot of submissions these days from people who are sending me just like what your dad was talking about a few minutes ago about people having dreams. Listen to this one. I just got this proposal from a young author who says to me that the idea for his book is. Um, it's a story about a mysterious orb of power that was given to humans by God, and that God intended for humans to use this orb for the betterment of humanity, but each civilization that has touched this has regretted it. And I'm getting a lot of letters from authors like this, that this is a guy whose normal life is he's, he's in graduate school, um, having a hard time finding a job, he was a technical writer for a contract laboratory, and yet he's getting these dreams and visions, and he wants to write this book. He thinks he's supposed to write this book and deliver this message to the world. And it's stunning to me. I go to my mailbox every day, and I'm getting letters from people that I don't know. I don't know how they find me. And they've got all of these stories that they want to publish, and all of them run along these same lines. That mm. There's this information coming through, there's this information breaking through, and they want to write about it, and I think, I think, as your dad pointed out at the beginning of the conversation, there's something that a lot of people are tapping into. They don't know what to do with this. They don't know if this is creativity kicking in. They don't know if it's a message from the other side, but it's happening to people, and they're contacting me saying, here's this, what do I do with this? What do I do with it? Fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Let me remind folks, uh, we still have time for anybody who wants to call in to 401-766-1240 locally and 800-449-1240 nationally. So, Murray, tell us about your research, where it has taken you. You seem to be certainly par- parallel to what we got here. The uh, national emergency uh, test or something? Okay. Do we lose him? No. Okay, good. That's what that was, an alien attack. Or something. But anyway, as I was saying, if you uh, please tell us about your research. That seems to be carrying you parallel to, to our work, and uh, tell us um, how you do it and what, what you do and how you do it. Well, I wish, I wish what I could do is that one of the things that I do is that, um, I, like you, I'm trying to find out how the so-called normal, average, everyday person is starting to get turned on. Now, um, I have gone back to work um, signing books in various stores around uh, the historic district of Savannah. I don't do this just to sign books, but what I'll do is I'll sit in a shop at a table with my books, and, and most nine, 99% of the tourists that I meet will come in, and they'll ask me where to go and what to do from an insider point of view. What are your favorite restaurants? Where do you stay? What do you like to do in Savannah? Inevitably, um, if... Spirit is the agenda. That comes up within the first 60 seconds. But what is 
truly remarkable to me is the number of people walking past the shop that will walk in the door and say, I don't know what the hell I'm doing in here. I've got an appointment. I've got something to do. I'm not shopped. I'm not looking. But they'll always say, something told me to come in here. And yeah, they'll come up to me with the talking, and within 60 seconds, the subject of spirit comes up. Now, I wish, and one of these days I'm going to do it, I'm going to set up a hidden camera to record the conversations I'm having with these people because these people will stand in front of me, a complete stranger, and they will tell me the most intimate things about their lives if only because they don't know what to do with, with, with what's happening to them. They're, they're experiencing spirit. They're being contacted by the spirits of their ancestry. They're having these remarkable things happen, and they come to Savannah because they think they can find missing pieces of the puzzle here. They often do. I'm trying to connect it all. But, the, but it is truly fascinating to me, if only because it, it's this, it, it reminds you of that scene in E.T., the movie, where all of these people were being bombarded with the same message. They didn't know what was going on. They just told to show up at the same place at the same time because something's going to go down. And it's happening in Savannah, Georgia. And there's a catalyst here. And there's something that people are tapping into here. And that's why I sit in a shop every day and make these connections so that I can try to find the common thread, the common denominator, the common storyline, the common messages that are running through them. And what I have discovered is this, that as we go through this horrible transition right now that's going to last another year, year and a half, Spirit is dying to help us through it, and Spirit is going out of its way to help people on this side deal with what has happened and what is going to continue to happen, and i got news for you, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And so we suspect I honestly think that Spirit, uh, because it is at that level that we are all one, that Spirit on the other side is still connected to the Spirit on this side, and they are trying everything they can to help us through this difficult time. What is fascinating to me, you look at what's happening to the world religion. The wheels are coming off. The wheels are coming off all the religions. And at the same time, though, people have got this real hunger for authentic spiritual experiences. And again, getting back to what Ben introduced to the conversation, the terrible thing is that they will more often go toward the sideshow Instead of pursuing the truth of it, they end up in the movie theater, they're watching all of this foolishness, they get sidetracked, they get distracted, and, and I feel very sorry for them, because as soon as they get a taste of this, they really don't know what to do or where to go. But that is what I'm doing these days. I try to encounter people and help them by steering them toward a way that I think would be most productive for them to, to experience spirit and to improve uh, the, the quality of their own spiritual life. That's okay. what I'm all about. All right. Oh, uh, I had a question back. I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it had something to do with. Oh, yep, I remember now. So you mentioned that um, you're you're looking at like some of the these like you mentioned with the bars. You mentioned parasites. Where do you think parasites fit in in all of this? Well. I, I've always been a big fan of your father's theories about the multiverse, and I think that um, I think that that as here's what's going to happen if they continue along the same line um, with this theory of relativity thing and they actually start to break down time and space then I think they will discover that dimensions are simply the multiverses next door 
In other words, what we always thought was different dimensions are actually it's another universe that abuts next to this one, and there's a bunch of them. For example, I have a gifted friend, now 70 years old, who is, uh, uh, it has the ability to project their spirit uh, astrally and has access 16 different dimensions. She doesn't speak of them as dimensions. She speaks of them as worlds. And so that's more or less in line with your father's idea of the multiverse. In other words, a bunch of little universes that are connected like, say, bubbles in the bathtub. You know, if you pick up a cluster of soap bubbles and you see all these little round things and they're, somehow they're connected but, not, but they're still separate and apart, that is the way she describes the multiverse. And so what we've been accessing, it's not actually dimension, but actually other universes. And yeah. I think that, that if on present form, these guys that are messing around with relativity, that's what they're going to come back and tell you. And you will have heard it here first. That's right. Well, they they refuse. It's it's not that, it's not that they refuse to accept that the multiple worlds theory and or the multiple worlds interpretation doesn't exist because the math proves it exists. It's just they probably have a hard time grasping it with their Newtonian, um, what's it called, scientific method to gr- keep them down and not really think outside the box, so to speak. Well, there's an epistemological barrier. Yeah. In Western thinking, which doesn't let let you. It, it may, as we always say, it, it it encourages you to take things apart rather than put them together. When it's like you can't see the sentences. big picture, yeah, you can't see the big picture if you take it apart rather than put it together. I think it's, it's as simple as that, if you can call that simple. That, that's our that, that's the problem with the new paradigm. So, Murray, what do you see happening in the next year and a half? Well, Paul, I mean, I, especially at this time of the year, I don't like to be the bearer of that, but I, I don't have any good news for you. Yeah. Um, we are going to continue to experience tremendous upheavals on the mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional plane. Um, government, uh, economy, um, natural disasters are going to continue. They're going to be greater in impact. Um, there's not going to be any let-up. Um, governments right now, the biggest the biggest problem right now, if you look at what's going on in Europe, if you look at what's going on all, just about around the globe, governments, the biggest problem right now is just trying to keep the wheels on. Um, they don't want the not, they don't want the order to break down, and that's what they're faced with. Um, if you look what's going on in this country, um, to tell you the God's honest truth, with these different movements, you've got homeless people camping out in, the, in major cities and so forth and so on. You've got a growing uh, number of of have-nots, and the haves are are feeling like what they have is not enough, and we're going to go through some just tremendous difficulty in the next year, year and a half. A lot of us are not going to make it. And what is even more remarkable to me, that where where's the first place you're able to see this, gentlemen? Physical illness. I can't, there's nobody that I know that isn't dealing with a serious illness. Nobody I know. Everybody, and the thing, what's phenomenal is my parents' generation is just rife with dementia and Alzheimer's. Mm. There's something going on this planet, and and it's linked to everything from the the purity of the water and the food supply and the air we breathe and the whole thing. Let me tell you, the whole thing is upside down. Um, I don't see any end to it. You're going to have to get all the way through next year before we can begin to see the light at the end of the tunnel. A lot of us are not going to make it, and 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 yet that is the challenge. Government's got to figure out a way 
to keep the wheels on so that this whole scene just doesn't fly apart. Many people in, in these, these dreams or altered states of consciousness when they're writing to us, and we ourselves at times are seeing a nuclear component to uh-huh. these, these tough times, uh, more than tough. I mean, do you... Do you, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to talk about. I mean, we're approaching uh, you know the holidays here and Christmas time. We're supposed to be happy, but <laughs> what, what uh, do you see in any sort of nuclear component in this? I'm, I'm thinking from back to my own military days when we were hearing that there were a thousand nukes missing uh, when the, the Soviet Union uh, broke up, you know, was or was about to break up. Then I don't know. Do you see a nuclear component to these uh, these tough times? Um. Paul, I'll tell you, um, you're talking to a man who, when he was coming back from Brazil on September the 11th, the plane that I was on, they arrested six men who were going to blow the plane up. Wow. I am, and yet, at the same time, I am not as afraid of what man can do or can't do as much as I'm afraid of what's going on in nature that we can't see coming. Hmm. And, and, and what Spirit shows me, I don't see this nuclear thing as much as I see um, shifts because of uh, eruptions on the sun and the, the tremendous uh, problem this is going to create with the magnetic field my greater fear is that one day you wake up and nothing's going to work because of the, the sunspot energy and the explosions the thermonuclear stuff that happens from that point of view absolutely so possible I'm more concerned about what's going on in the sun than anything that's going on on earth mm-hmm. but that being said um, as I said to you you're going to see all the Japan Haiti all of those things that we've already seen, you're going to see uh, and multiplied in the next 18 months. And all of it, in my opinion, as the Mayans intimated, all of this is actually being called into existence to teach mankind the one most important lesson that for some reason it just refuses to embrace, and that is we are all one at the level of spirit. And if we are to survive, we survive as one. The only way we do that is to realize that we are all connected. And that is why, gentlemen, spirit on the other side is trying so hard to help us. They understand that's the message. They understand that we don't get the message. They understand that religion is the problem because as long as you have a temple, mosque, and church on the same planet, you will never have any peace. So spirit wants to rise above religion and teach mankind that the only way you can do that, gentlemen, is through tragedy. It's tragedy that brings people together. So that is why all of this is happening at this particular time, and the minds knew it was coming. Um, what's interesting to me is that you got guys like Stephen Hawking who are now telling you, and he went on the record when he said, we're not going to make it the next hundred years. We are not going to make it. That Stephen Hawking me. told you, and when he told you this, what was fascinating to me is that he said that it's because of finite resources, climate change, and the selfish and aggressive basic instinct of man is the reason we can't survive. There Hawking was... said we're not going to make it because we are basically selfish and aggressive, and in 10,000 years the human being has not evolved. Has not evolved. Now, gentlemen, if there's any evolution left to mankind, it has to be on the level of spirit. We can't get any physically stronger, my God. I mean, and, and you've got guys who are absolutely as brilliant as they can be. Though the last frontier is spirit, and, and people like you and I are the pioneers that want to push beyond religion, and my God, we've been held back for 2,000 years. Well, But now, we finally got science that's beginning to say, you know what, 
these guys are not as kooky as they have once seen. No, that's what usually happens. No, that, that's true. I'm thinking, uh, I, I agree with what you're saying, certainly, and I'm thinking of another dimension to it, pardon the pun, huh. that was uh, started to be, I suppose, told to me by the little boy I always talk about in 1991, who referred to the high men and the low men, that there were two, literally two species of homo sapiens on this planet, the, the, the arrogant name we give to ourselves. Some are destined to make it, others are not, because some are of higher mind and others are of lower mind. That, that, right. And I've, I, that has come through consistently in whatever information I've happened to gather from anyone or anything I've encountered in the multiverse. And I wondered if that, uh, that division in the human race is uh, part of what you're talking about. Well, you know, it's interesting that you mention that because I, I recently was reading a study that um, is a, a fresh interpretation of cave painting. Um, in, uh, in prehistory, um, people recording these very vivid and very detailed scenes, but a lot of the animals they depict do not um, exist on this planet anymore. In fact, one of them that comes to mind was a horse that had spots like a leopard. <laughs> that animal's long disappeared. I think the same analogy could be made about the human race. I think there were probably different species that have now become have either disappeared or blended in as a hybrid. Um, I, I I have met and spoken to people that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. They tell me that they have met hybrid people that are aliens that have walked into human bodies, um, and. I honestly think that this is also one of the things the Pleiadians are going to be revealing themselves very soon now to help us through this transition we're going through. Watch and see now. The key word here, Pleiadian, watch for it. You're going to start to see it. The Pleiadians are people who, uh, emanating from that, that, that system, have come to this planet. They have taken human form. And they are taking their position uh, in positions of authority. There's um, more than 2,000 of them that I know of that are already here. And once they have been able to establish themselves, that they're going to be revealing their presence here. And it will be less threatening to human beings because you will have already come to know these people. And some of them are going to be people with rather big reputations. And the Pleiadians very soon now are going to be announcing their presence. Which well, is why you're starting to see all of this stuff about governments and UFO files and what's true and what isn't. You're going to see all of this introduced into the conversation so that it lessens the shock, of, which is the one thing. The reason why the governments have never been honest with people is that they think we can't handle it. But once we hear that there are such things as aliens, the people are going to go crazy and it'll break down the, the order of things. But well, I think they're the ones you, who you can't handle it. You watch what happens. But the key word I want you to start to watch for now, ladies and gentlemen, is the word Pleiadian. You're going to start to see it cropping up in the news. And it's all uh, a precursor for the big announcement that they are here, they've been here, and they're here to help us through this transition. I have been hearing that. It's uh, I, I, I always say, you know, you need to sort of stand on the sidewalk and with your feet on the ground and with sobriety look at all these things but, yeah, but and then look, look at what we've experiencing th things we're talking about right now that I never thought I'd be talking about let alone believing that's right so there we are well Murray uh, we're just about out of time here we wanted to thank you for another fascinating conversation it always is yes uh, you remain our dear friend and uh, a very important messenger 
to help prepare people for um, whatever is coming and, and simply for, for looking at the big picture. And, and we appreciate that very much, and your work well, is I very important. I hope that you and Ben, I uh, hope you and Ben continue to shine a bright light on these things. This is, it's not an easy thing to do, but I, I figured that Stephen Hawking and his pals will roll around, maybe there's a chance for us all. That's right. Absolutely. Perhaps, yes. Okay, well, best to you and your, and your wonderful family. We'll be talking to you very, very soon. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Okay, very good. Okay, I think we have time maybe for one email here, and this is from Kevin Baldwin, who says we can use his name, Ben, uh, in Mesa, Arizona. Okay. So Kevin writes, um, I've had I've heard a lot of stories about how ghosts can't uh, cross running water, um, although I can't explain why. My gut tells me that this notion doesn't hold much cre- uh, credence. Uh, what say you? Wait, didn't we read this before? No, it just came in. There was someone who asked a really similar question to this. Well, there are there, these these are questions that are universal at times, and more than one person uh, thinks of them. So I oh, know I'm just uh, saying. Yeah. I, I thought we already answered. Do you remember that. the answer we gave? Um, electromagnetics. That was the answer we gave. Yeah, effectively. You know, I think what you're thinking of is is the idea that that. Water can supposedly enhance the powers of certain. No, cycles. no, no. Someone asked. I heard a story that uh, ghosts couldn't cross moving water, and I and blah blah blah. And he just he he was like, I I tend to agree with this, but what is your guys' take on this? Okay, all right. Uh, well, that uh, that, that's like the opposite. Yeah, of this, 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 this only this came in very recently. Anyway, uh, the answer to that essentially is you get into folklore, and folklore often reflects. Things that the human race knows, it, it is the, the, the vessel of the memory of the human race. And so every story and legend and folklore very often has a grain of truth to it. But this business about ghosts not crossing water, uh, water is significant because it conducts electromagnetic fields upon which paranormal phenomena and the manifestation and perception of it can be based, or them can be based. I've heard the story that witches can't cross water. I mean, uh, yeah, that's the question the guy asked. Oh, okay. So hopefully they don't live on an island or they're they're in serious trouble. Yeah, uh, supplies are concerned. So, uh, <laughs> but I I just I firstly I don't know if this holds any water pun, but because I've never had any uh, anything to really indicate that ghosts uh, cannot cross water. So I, I don't know. I'll, we'll I'll look into this further, and if we can extrapolate further on it, we will in, in an open line show. But thank you for writing. So we can finish the paranormal puns. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. Uh, wait. Oh, that's why? the wrong one. All right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we wanted to uh, suggest that you uh, check out our course at the Providence Learning Connection. It starts again on February 11th. We had a great time. Uh, unexpected adventures with uh, our current class, uh, which ends in two more weeks. And again, it feels like we're on the magic school bus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> something like that. Providence Learning Connection. www.southcoastlearning.org. It's uh, called Exploring the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. So many thanks to our producer, the much revered Steve Bianchi. We'll see you right here next Monday, December 5th. Ben and I will host uh, what we actually, we had thought it was going to be an open line show, but actually we have Maverick archaeologist Michael Cremo back on the show, uh, co-author of the huge tome Forbidden Archaeology and a Real Maverick, as I say. Uh, everything you know about prehistory is wrong. Everything you know is dumb. In the meantime, tune into our live Sunday evening CBS Radio edition in Boston, Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Seattle on www.newskyradio.com and AOL Radio on November, on May 31st. What is this? What? 
November 31st, my dad and I will welcome the first of next weekend's two uh, open line shows, except it's not an open line, so we only have one open line show. Whatever. And, Let it be surprised. And remember, you can always get free podcasts of all our shows along with show schedules and guest information at www.behindtheparanormal.com. And we're done. So we're going to leave you with a thought from dear old Ralph Waldo Emerson. Though we travel the world over to find the beautiful, we must carry it with us first, or we find it not. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. We'll see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.